Welcome again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We appreciate you tuning in again this week as we look into the Word of God. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop of Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church from right here in Danville, Kentucky. Thank you for tuning in. This week we're going to be back in Isaiah chapter 5, and we're going to look at one more reason for the, uh, the cause of what we've been reading about here in Isaiah chapter 5. It tells us here that hell hath enlarged herself, and we've been looking over the past few weeks at why this place called hell has enlarged herself. Read with me again the passage, Isaiah chapter 5. Let's begin reading in verse 11. The Word of God says, Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink, and can, that continue until night, till wine inflame them. And the harp, and the vial, and the tabret, and pipe, and wine are in their feasts. But they regard not the work of the Lord, neither consider the operation of His hands. Therefore my people are gone into captivity, because they have no knowledge and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. And so we've been looking at the fact that obviously the Bible is plain about a place called hell, where they weep and wail and gnash their teeth, and people by the multitudes, by the millions, descend into it. And of course, this is no fault of God. You often hear people blaming God for uh, the awful reality of what I'm describing here today. But of course, God has done everything in His power to deliver men from this awful place of the damned. And He did not create this place for man originally, according to His statements in Matthew 25. And the Bible says in Ezekiel 33, verse 11, that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And he desires to save sinners, uh, so much so that he sent his only begotten son to die in our place that we might have eternal life. So let's not be foolish today and blame God for this awful place, but let's look at it from the standpoint that justice must be done. Everyone has a sense of justice. When you hear about an unsolved murder or an assault case, you think, boy, one day they'll get theirs. One day they'll, they'll meet justice, and they will. The problem is men never take it far enough. Every uh, sin will receive a due punishment and payment. And if you will not allow the Lord Jesus Christ to pay your debt, then, my friend, you will pay your sin debt on your own, and you'll be alone in a place called hell as justice is served for all of eternity. No, the Bible is plain. Sinners go to hell, and they go there because they never repented. And we see here in verse 14 of Isaiah chapter 5, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and we have looked at the reasons why this place is getting larger. And of course, we've mentioned in times past in these studies, foolish parenting. We've talked about forgetful people. And we talked last week about failing Christians, the failure to witness and this week I want to bring up another reason why hell is being populated and is overflowing its banks and enlarging herself and opening her mouth without measure. And that is because of the plague that we have in our society, especially of false ministers who preach false gospels. Now I know that this is not a popular subject, but let's get the Word of God on the matter. Turn in the New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. One of the reasons that hell is enlarging itself is because of men who were never called of God to begin with. I am always interested in how men respond, unsaved men especially. 
you can tell a lot about a man how he views the ministry. And I've had people say, so when, uh, when did you know that you were going to choose this as your career? Let me just say something here. Some of you will understand this statement. Some of you will not. I didn't choose this life, and I didn't choose this calling, and I didn't choose uh, to be a preacher. God called me by His grace. God put a desire in my heart to preach this book. I never got up one morning and said, you know, I think I'm going to go uh, see if I can become a pastor of a church. That would not have been my first uh, desire or my first choice. But God did a work in my heart, and as I got right with God in my late 20s, God began to deal with me about preaching this book and began to burden me about the need for Bible preaching. Because I'm going to tell you, we may have a church on every corner in your town or in this town or around the country, but I'm telling you, you got to go long and far, deep and wide to find somebody that's expounding the Word of God and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ the way the Bible lays it out. We have a society full here in America. We have a society full of false ministers. And not just here in America, but around the world. And I can prove this to you. Look in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look, if you will, in verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to Christian people here. He's writing to a local church, and here's what he warns Christians about. This was back in the first century. This was right after, this is soon after the resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says these words in 2 Corinthians eleven four, For if he that cometh preacheth, preacheth another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Drop down and look at verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore... It is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now let's slow down and just believe what we've read. The Apostle Paul, who wrote uh, over half of your New Testament, the Apostle to the Gentiles in the Western world who started uh, many, many churches and instructed those churches and raised up preachers, uh, in my opinion, the greatest Christian who ever lived, the Apostle Paul. He warns Christians about those who preach, quote, another Jesus and have a, quote, another spirit and have, quote, uh, another gospel. Did you get that? There's another Jesus being preached. There's another gospel being preached. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul speaking, he says, uh, which is not another gospel. There's only one gospel that brings the new birth. And that gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To prove this, all you must do is turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and read verses 1 through 4, which clearly spells out what the gospel of the grace of God is. It's how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel, and that message right there has the power in it. It said nothing about baptism. It said nothing about the golden rule. And it most certainly said nothing about your good efforts and your good deeds or your good works. But you know what false ministers will do? They will preach a gospel that includes all of those things. 
A false minister loves to glory in his own religion, and he loves to glory in his own efforts, and therefore unsaved people and carnal Christians love to hear those kind of ministers. What are we talking about today? We're talking about why hell is enlarging itself. And one of the reasons that we're looking at this week is the fact that there are so many false ministers who preach false gospels. And we're getting this information not from my personal prejudice against someone's church or my personal opinion about some other preacher. I'm showing you from 2 Corinthians 11 that there's other another Jesus that's preached. There's another spirit we're warned about. There's other gospels. And he goes on to speak of false apostles. He goes on to speak of Satan's ministers. Satan has ministers. And it says that these ministers are transformed as the ministers of righteousness. So let me just give you a a warning here that if uh, someone you're listening to or someone comes to your door who brings not the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that I just described from 1 Corinthians 15, I don't care how nice they are, I don't care how clean they look or upright they are, how pleasant they are, how much they smile, or any such thing, that is not the test of whether a man is a false minister or not. Do you understand that people who are constantly positive, that is not the gospel and that is not necessarily a man of God? You see, the Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man and the end thereof are the ways of death. And the average man thinks that if a guy doesn't raise his voice, smiles a lot and only talks positive, that he must be a, quote, man of God. But a greater mistake could not be made. The most positive creature in the Bible is Satan. He's the first one that ever said the word, yea. You'll find that quote in Genesis 3.1 when he said, yea, hath God said. So he, in a positive approach with the positive tone, hissing and smiling all at the same time, he requested or he asked the question, is that really what God said? He just threw a little doubt on the word of God. And just because a man smiles and because a man is positive does not mean that he's of God. And quite usually it's quite the opposite. Did you know that the Apostle Paul was said to be, his speech was rude and contemptible? That's what the Bible says his preaching was like. In other words, some of the plainness that he used and some of the things he said, some people went out and said, that guy's rude in speech. That guy's speech is contemptible. When Jesus Christ preached, uh, it divided the crowd many times. And it made people mad. He offended people. There was one place there in Matthew chapter 15, verses 12 through 15, where his disciples came and they said, Lord, do you not know that you offended uh, the Pharisees when you said that? And he said, let them alone. He says, every plant that my heavenly father hath not planted shall be plucked up. So in other words, when a man gets offended at the truth, that's usually a good sign that uh, he wasn't planted by God to begin with. And Jesus Christ, in one place, they said of his preaching that he spake as one having authority and not as the scribes. And in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that Peter lifted up his voice. So loud preaching, negative preaching, and preaching that offends is not necessarily uh, the wrong kind of preaching. In fact, those are all qualities uh, that will show you that a man's telling you the truth. But those that are positive, that smile, and uh, are always uh, bragging on you and would never say anything offensive or controversial, many times that's Satan's minister. Because remember what it says. It says they come as ministers of righteousness. 
and they're transformed into the ministers of light, and they're Satan's ministers. Why is hell getting larger? False ministers and false gospels. Look in Second Peter chapter 2, look at verse 1, what it says about these false preachers. It says, There were also false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction." And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. Did you see that feigned words? Feigned words are plastic fake words. Words that uh, would never offend anybody. Words that are made up or that are coded so as not to upset any unsaved people. My preacher told me when I was training under Brother Ron Ralph, he told me this. He said, son, he said, preachers today have mastered the art of almost saying something. I would rather say it so people knew what I meant than to people go out saying, well, I don't think I'm mad at that because I really don't understand what he said. Listen, false ministers may tickle your ears and may scratch that itch you have to feel good about yourself, but they don't care about your soul because if they did, they'd tell you the truth. They'd tell you the truth. False ministers preach false gospels. I'll never forget being on the street and a couple of Mormons rode past on their bikes. We had our banners out. And let me just say this. I don't preach the gospel that the Mormons preach, and they do not preach the gospel that I preach. But now the average man in the street says, well, there's a couple of religious guys, and they all talk about Jesus. Uh, and these guys, they went by, and they said to me and the man I was standing with, they said, it's all about Jesus, men. It's all about Jesus. Well, the question that comes is, which Jesus? Which Jesus are you talking about? Because remember Paul said, 2 Corinthians eleven four. there's another Jesus. Listen, many of the, quote, Jesuses that are being preached are not the Jesus Christ. It is, he is not the Jesus Christ of this Bible. You say, well, how can I tell? You've got to get in the Bible and check them out. Do you know how I start this broadcast many times? I encourage you to get your Bible and follow along. That way you can check me in what I say. Amen. I'm not ashamed or afraid to be checked by the Word of God. I'm presenting what the Word of God says, and I want you to see it. And if I veer off or I deviate from what the Word of God says, then you throw out what I say, and you stick with the Word of God. Amen and amen. So false gospels will be preached by false ministers. Now, what are these false gospels? Well, the true gospel has already been stated. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But there are those that preach the gospel of of, uh, the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And they encourage men to live right. Now, the golden rule is a wonderful principle. It's a wonderful truth, but it does not give eternal life. Some men preach the false gospel of baptismal regeneration, which simply means that they'll tell you that your sins will be washed away in the baptismal pool when you get baptized. That is, if you get baptized by the right person. And, of course, this is falsehood and a damnable heresy also. One time, many years ago, a friend of mine preaching on the streets of Nashville was there one Saturday evening handing out tracts and preaching the gospel with some other Christian men. And a couple of Campbellites came along and challenged them. And they said, you fellas aren't preaching the whole gospel. My friend said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, you're not telling these people they have to be baptized in order to have their sins forgiven. What about Acts 2.38? You know. And my friend looked at him and he said, well, let's look here at something. He says, what's the Bible say here? And they went to Romans 1.16, 
which says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. He says, what is the power of God? And the man finally, after arguing a little bit, he kept saying, look at the scripture, look at the text. What does it say? And the man said, well, it's the gospel. It's the power of God. So they argued a little bit more about baptism, and he took him then to 1 Corinthians 15, which I've already quoted on today's program. And he told him, he says, what's it say here? It says, what is the gospel? And the man would start to read it, and then he'd look up and start arguing about baptism some more. And he said, no, read the, read the text. Why won't you read the text? So this Campbellite finally read the text of 1 Corinthians 15, where the gospel was how that Christ died for our sins and was buried and rose again. And my wise friend looked at him and said, so what is the gospel according to this? The man started to argue about baptism again. He said, no, answer my question. I'm asking you, you just read it, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. According to these four verses, what is the gospel? He says, the gospel according to this is Jesus' death, his burial, and resurrection. He then took him to Galatians 1, where it says, if any man preach or an angel from heaven, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. And he said, what is the gospel? He said, it's the death, burial, and resurrection. He goes, is it the power of God? He said, that is the power of God. He says, if a man preach any other gospel, he says, let him be what? He said, accursed. He said, so if you add water baptism to the gospel, what are you? When he used that reasoning with this Campbellite, that man came unglued, cursed him, and had to be restrained by his friend because he was ready to climb my buddy's frame. You say, well, he made him mad. Yeah, but do you see what it was that made him mad? It was simply reading the scriptures and him pointing out the fact that baptism, I'm sorry, baptismal regeneration is a false gospel. Friend, listen to me. If you're listening today, if you think you're going to heaven because you've been baptized, then what you're actually trusting in is that water baptism and you've been deceived. If you think that your baptism made you a Christian, you've been deceived and you're still in your sins and you're still going to hell. Why is hell getting larger? Because of false ministers who preach false gospels like that of baptismal regeneration. And then, of course, there's the good works salvation that's preached by so many. And while they may tell you different works to do, nevertheless, the large mass of religious lost people believe that there's something that you must do or continue to do in order to have eternal life. And, of course, eternal life is not earned by your good works. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to God's mercy that he saves us. So false ministers who preach false gospels uh, help hell to enlarge itself. I want to call your attention to another verse as we're looking at this today. Turn with me in Matthew chapter 7, and let me close uh, today's broadcast by showing you how this works. False gospels cannot give eternal life, and false gospels are often promoted by false ministers. And here in Matthew chapter 7, uh, look with me, if you will, in verse 21 through 23. Jesus Christ is doing the speaking here. And he says in Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. They've got his title right. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, these people, in verse 22, were confident that they were right with God. They thought everything was good to go. They met God in judgment, assuming that they were all right. 
and they, are, they find out when it's too late that Jesus Christ never even knew them. And he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, why did these people think that they were okay with Jesus Christ? Why did they think they were saved? Well, they began to name off what they had done. They said, haven't we prophesied? Haven't we cast out devils? And then they said, we've done many wonderful works in your name, Lord. And Jesus said, I don't know who you are. You know why he didn't know who they were? Because the only way you can know Jesus Christ is to be born again. Jesus Christ himself told the most religious man in, in the Bible, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, he told him, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. It's not a matter of you, you might think about it. Uh, maybe you need to be. It is you must. You must be born again. The new birth puts you into the family of God by a supernatural miracle called the new birth, by regeneration, by the work of the Holy Ghost. And now you know God personally. You know Him and you can talk to Him. You have a relationship to Him because your sins have been pardoned and the Spirit of God has been given to you as a born-again believer and therefore you now know God. You've been reconciled back to Him. This is not anything that your baptism or your good deeds or your church membership can do for you. And so many people die trusting their religious works, thinking everything was okay, and they hit the judgment unprepared to meet God, and they hear these awful words recorded in verse 23 when Jesus Christ professed unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now why had these people thought they were okay? It's because of the kind of preaching they had set under. They had been given another Jesus, they had been given another gospel, and they had been propped up to believe that their goodness, their wonderful works, and their uh, religion was going to be enough to get them in. They were confident at the day of judgment that everything was all right because they had listened to false ministers. I'll give you an example here in closing today. I have a preacher friend from Florida, and he told me this story recently. He talked about how that he had joined a a racquetball club, a place to go uh, do some exercises and work out and try to keep his health and keep himself in good health. And he had met a man there, a very rich man. He was a millionaire, I don't know how many times over. And he got to know this guy, and they became kind of odd friends, if you will, because uh, my preacher friend began to witness to this millionaire, and he didn't want to hear anything about it. He would argue about it and mock it and cuss about Jesus Christ. But yet he was kind of... Uh, mesmerized by my preacher friend because he wasn't impressed with his money and he didn't care to shoot him straight and this guy appreciated that. He told my preacher friend one time, he said, man, I have rooms in my house that are bigger than the house you live in. And he says, and you really don't care, do you? My friend told him, no, I could care less, man. He goes, I'm, I'm going to heaven when I die. He goes, this is as good as it's ever going to get for you, man. And so they had kind of a, a love-hate relationship because every time my friend would try to witness to him, he'd cut him off and blaspheme God's name. Well, as time uh, moved along, the millionaire got cancer. And this rich man ended up in the hospital and he had spent a lot of money and exhausted all possibilities uh, and all resources he had in order to, to get a cure and to be cured of this cancer. And so he was dying in the hospital and my preacher friend went to see him. 
When he walked in the room, he said, that old millionaire looked at him. He said, I knew you'd come to see me. I knew you'd be here. He said, well, you know what I came to talk to you about? I heard you were dying, and I want to talk to you about what this Bible says about where you're going. And uh, this old millionaire put his hands up, and he said, if you come to talk to me about Jesus Christ, I'm not interested. That man looked at him, and he says, why would you reject Jesus Christ? You have nothing else to turn to. He goes, you, you, you can't, you, don't you know what you're doing? And he said, look, I know where I'm going when I die. He says, where are you going? He said, I'm going to heaven. That's what the millionaire said. He said, now, wait a minute. He goes, all these months that I've witnessed to you, and you have argued and cursed me and argued with me about the Bible, you've never one time professed that you thought you were going to heaven. He says, what's gotten into you that you think you're going now? He said, I called my nephew, and my nephew's a preacher. He's a Methodist preacher down in, I think, in Mississippi. And he said, I asked him, what happens when I die? Where am I going to go? And he said he brought up the fact that when Hurricane Katrina had blown through, that's been years ago, he said that, he goes, you know, I wrote his church a huge check to help them with their humanitarian efforts down there. And my nephew told me, that preacher told me, that they had, the church had never received an offering like that. And he says, if anybody is going to heaven, uncle, it's you. And that old man, that millionaire, believed that nephew of his. You know what his nephew was? His nephew was a false minister who didn't know the gospel himself. And he effectively locked the door and threw away the key on his uncle and helped push him off the cliff and into a devil's hell because he told him, because he gave some money to the uh, victims of or the, those that had been uh, injured by the Hurricane Katrina, that that offering was so huge that if anybody was going to heaven, certainly he was. My preacher friend looked at that rich man and he said, I'm going to tell you something, your nephew is full of the devil. That is not how a man goes to heaven. And he says, I'm telling you, my friend, when you die, you're going straight to hell. I don't care how much money you gave to the Methodist church. And you listen out there in Radio Land today, you listen to me. You can't behave your way into heaven and you can't buy your way into heaven and you'll not boast your way into heaven. You must come through the Lamb of God, which is Jesus Christ. That old song we sing says, Nothing in my hand I bring. Sinner friend, you're bankrupt. And you have nothing to offer God. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Listen, if you come to the cross with your arms full of stuff, you'll not be able to grab hold of the cross in faith. You've got to repent of all of this Goody two shoes, do good stuff. You've got to repent of your religion and you've got to turn from these false gospels that false ministers have filled your mind with and you have got to come the way God says to come. You must come on God's terms, which is through repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Why hath hell enlarged herself? Because of bad preaching. False ministers with false gospels. Let me ask you something in the close today of today's program. What are you trusting to go to heaven? Do you know where you're going when you die? Remember our text that we started with these last four weeks. Therefore, hell hath enlarged herself. Hell is getting bigger. Are you going to help it get bigger? Hell has opened her mouth without measure. Are you going to be swallowed up by the pit and burn forever and weep and wail and gnash your teeth? 
and beg God to send somebody back to earth to warn your loved ones and your friends and your family? Listen, if you've never been to Jesus Christ for the cleansing power, you're still lost. I don't care who you are, who you know, where you've been to school, how much money you have, what uh, your grandfather told you. I don't care about any of that. I don't care if every false preacher in town told you you were okay. I'm telling you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Oh, friend, why do you delay? Bow the knee right where you're at and call upon the one who died for you, was buried and rose again, and reject these false gospels of self-help and self-hope. You don't stand a chance, but oh, how wonderful it is to come to Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. May God help you to understand that, and may you avoid that awful place called hell by putting your trust in the one who came to save sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help you until next week. May the Lord bless you as you walk with him.